For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to CHN Radio episode 164. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. Um, We have a jam-packed episode for you. Once again, we're going to talk about our match against Crystal Palace. We're going to talk about our preview against Southampton, uh, seeing if Newcastle United can maybe even beat Manchester United's nine-goal effort against Southampton. Maybe we can get to 10 just with our attacking prowess could happen, but um, it, it should be a good one before we really get into it. Let's, let's, let's bring the main party. Let's bring the, the main attraction, the best damn coast in the land. Elijah Newsom. How are you? You know, we're, we're alive. Um, I think there's a, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited to talk about this because it, I, I don't know. I mean, it's very easy to go doom and gloom with Newcastle, but I don't know if this was like a particularly doom and gloom match. I think it was a uh, annoying match per se. Uh, and we'll talk about everything about that later. But um, yeah, I'm just stoked to be uh, here talking a little footy. And yeah. um, I don't know. I guess you could follow me on the Twitters uh, at Elijah underscore Newsom. I guess they can follow you too. What's your name? Uh, like at NUFC underscore Greg or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcast accounts at CHN underscore podcast. And then we'll, the main account, we'll do that at coming home in UFC. Of course, check out the site coming home, newcastle.spnation.com. Um, we're getting content up there, folks. We're getting content up there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what's on the site right now. Uh, most of Art- the stuff. There's some articles me. on the site. Yeah. Um, the emergency pods up there. Like, obviously, the signing that occurred, Joe Willock. Um, I wrote a little bit about DeAndre Yedlin's transfer saga. That was fun. Um, yeah, and we'll have some more content up in the future, some more Joe Willock stuff. Reached out to some Arsenal lads, and they're giving me the, the scoop on Joe. So I look out for that stuff and previews. We do previews again. I, I've decided to do them again. <laughs> they're shorter right. now, so that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Um, we're going to start – with some unfortunate news. Mm. Yes. yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're we're going to cue some music. We're going to get yes. get the mood set. Mm. And we have a very serious departure to talk about. Yeah. Our prince, our captain, Captain America himself, DeAndre Yedlin, has left Newcastle United to go to a club that shall not be named. And I'm in tears right now, just devastated from seeing not only the pace, not the just forgetting to guard the back post, and the swag is is really yeah. what we're missing. Culture, yeah, of, the swag. Never yelling, uh, Elijah. I'd love you to to come up to the podium, speak some words on uh, losing our great, our only first team. American Newcastle United player, DeAndre Yellen, please share your thoughts in this just tumultuous time for this podcast. Yeah, I think that what people aren't really focusing on is that we're not only losing DeAndre Yedlin and his swag, and not only his like swaggy girlfriend who might have even more swag than DeAndre Yedlin, but we're losing an American an American icon, a true hero, Yedlin's dog Simba, who is yeah. just an adorable pup. Uh, who made a, quite a few appearances over the years and features from Newcastle and from from uh, different outlets abroad. But 
you know, it's, it's a sad day for Newcastle fans. Uh, honestly, a little bit shocked at how many people were touched by this departure because, I mean, I think it's one of those things where obviously Yedlin works hard, but of course he had his faults and I don't think a lot of people were saying he was a, uh, a regular role, uh, you know, top 10 right back in the Premier League, but there were a lot of people who got love for Yedlin. So, I mean, that was, that was a welcome sight to see, but it is a sad day. It's a sad day. I have his jersey. I have his jersey. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like we can name them Galatasaray if you didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like a. It's not. They're not a. Well, I would say a rival of Newcastle by any means. So. But I was gonna say when they posted the picture of him in red and yellow, I was like, Ooh, might have to. Looking good in that. He looks good in that kit. <laughs> uh, I'm just heart. I'm still heartbroken. I will be cheering for DeAndre all the time. He will always have a special place. So I just wanted to have Elijah just share this with you, a moment of silence mm. for losing DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, and we'll, we'll take this moment of silence while sipping alcohol. Of course, yes. It's like a Cheer, pour one out for the homies, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> okay, now we can go on with this show. Wait, I was one serious thing oh, about Yedlin. You're me cry even more. Well, no, this is like a legit thing because we were, we were obviously – like we're gonna miss Yedlin, but yeah. Jesus, it's not like the end of the world. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm sure, like whenever McGovern gets sold, like I, I think that actually will be kind of sad because we'll be like he's wasted by Steve Bruce. But anyway, um, like on a serious note, as a black person in America who liked soccer, which at the time, like I mean, it, soccer was not the, it's still not the the coolest thing to like in America, but it was very rare to be a black person that likes soccer in America. And I know I speak for not only myself but a lot of my black friends who we've been following soccer. Yes, Greg is included in the black friends, uh, but who've been following soccer for a long time. Uh, and he was like, I mean, Demarcus Beasley is another one, but DeAndre Yedlin was like a, a almost a, a, a role model and just like easily was everyone's kind of favorite player because you know it's cool seeing someone that looks like you succeed at a high level and you can't fault DeAndre for trying he stuck around in England uh some people I think Men and Blazers had this tweet about how you know underrated Yedlin was one of the original kind of pioneers of this current crop of U.S. men's national team players to really go for it and go abroad I mean he left Seattle went to Tottenham spent some time in a place to remain un- unnamed clawed his way back into a premier league squad and like that that means a lot and i mean you i wouldn't say like newcastle players wouldn't be in the not sorry american players wouldn't be in the premier league if it wasn't for deandre yellen but it definitely was a, a step in the right direction for american soccer and it was really cool to wake up on saturdays and see a player that looks like me that at the same that time at times we legitimately had the same hairstyle uh just ball out for newcastle so that was cool he will be missed, but like, he's still the homie. I'm not going to unfollow him on Twitter because he's at Galatasaray. Uh, and hopefully, this means we'll see more of DeAndre for U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, hopefully, not falling asleep at the back post, but being a good a good guy in camp. You know, good camp. Yeah, body. yeah. The, the the problem that DeAndre will be facing is that our depth in the U.S. in that position is like 30 different players. Yeah. So, um, and he's not he might be in the top 10 of that those players so i think he's i think he's in the top 10 for now but like i mean like but it's not not for long and of course his window as a national teamer is closing anyway but i mean there he is a a guy that he's a nice little veteran you know presence and again probably a solid camp body for uh the u.s men's national team maybe a olympic roster kind of guy you know Keep 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 the uh, youngins in shape uh, as we head into what is it the 2020 Olympics, but in 2021 in Tokyo. So shout out to oh. Tokyo. Anyway, uh, we have a match to talk about, Greg. So uh, let's uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, well, we're gonna start with three words. Um, so after every match, we ask you to to write three words to describe this match, and we will read them on the podcast, and you always deliver. So. Some of your three words, uh, Tim at Tim Powell said, wait till Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that one. Uh, CW at Roshi underscore 38. Always love a three word gift gif. And it's uh, it says, I'm not surprised. Don at Smick Ultra says out of ideas. Trevor Mooney says 
Brucey hates happiness. Uh, Mr. Steal Your Worldwide with a three word gif. Uh, back to reality. Eminem. Eminem. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Tony Armstrong back on track. Lee Robson back to reality. Uh, Michael Preston missed new coach, aka Honey Badger says another false dawn. Alex Passine chances are progress. Uh, Eric Schmidt says we can't finish. Paul the View Carver said back to normality. James Whitmore Southampton win Saturday. Lost in space says Bruce's ego clanger. Peter at Peter four six eight one two nine one zero says, "Oh no, I'm not reading that one. That's not." Well, yeah. no, you read it because I literally coveted Peter. This is not three words, and he was just like, "It had to be said." I was like, "I think you're missing the point here, Peter." <laughs> just like, uh, Aaron Reynolds says three two five. Uh, BT at Bertley Bad Boy says Steve Bruce out. Steve Woodcock says get Bruce out. And Mac at Toon Tooney McToonface. Why was that too hard for me to read? Um, fucking useless oaf. Uh, that is your three words. Thank you, everyone. As yes. always, uh, let's let's start this thing before we get into our discussion about the match. Let's start about lineups. So uh, lineups. I will read, and I, and then I'd love your comments, Elijah. We had Darlow, Mankio, Clark, Cher, Lewis, Hayden, Shelby, Hendrick, Almiron, Fraser, Wilson. And on the bench, we had Dubrovka, Dummett, Kraft, Maddie Longstaff, Elliot Anderson, and Jolinton. Elijah, what's your thoughts about that lineup? It is a bit weird to see uh, Darlow uh, in goal just uh... – I mean, it would, there was, there, I don't know. I've, I've kind of, in the past couple of previews, I've kind of hinted at like, there's no real reason Darlow should still be starting. Not for, like, not because Newcastle have looked bad, but he hasn't done anything sort of like outstanding to keep us in the match. Like, I think at a, at a time he was undroppable because he was making ridiculous saves that kept Newcastle in the match. But like, Again, uh, this—I mean, it's not anything better than we've seen from Dubrovka. And when, when Dubrovka played, he was—he was good, and uh, like, and his distribution's better. So I just think that's a bit weird. Uh, I guess uh, on other notes, um, a bit disappointing to not see like uh, like ASM start. Um, I, I mean, I guess like maybe he'll be good now. There's. Talks again, especially because Bruce alluded to the fact that he might be able to start. But uh, I mean, right now it doesn't seem like he's he's uh, he, he was fit enough to start. But uh, hopefully he'll start this weekend. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it was pretty much unchanged from from uh, the win, which again not surprising because it's Steve Bruce. I think that you have to roll with the same system um, again, just because like the system. It, it's been working, but it, there has to still be that attitude and tactical instruction from the touchline to really make it the best it could possibly be. So nothing crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was my, my thought. I'm going to keep commenting every time we start Darlow, I'm going to be confused. Uh, he, he's not doing enough to, to deserve the spot. And the only way I could see it is only if like the, the, the one thing that Steve Bruce has over us is he sees him at practice, but then again, uh, I'm not going to credit Steve Bruce much more than that. Uh, so let, let's get into it. So, the, I mean, the first thing to talk about in this match, I think we have to talk about is it took 71 minutes for us to score. <laughs> I mean, 71 seconds. I would say 71 minutes is pretty normal for New York. Uh, yeah, 71 that's that's average. Uh, but no, yeah, 71 seconds. It was Ryan Fraser who found Miguel Amaran with a header on the left side of the Palace box and – uh, it was Scott Dunn marking Almiron and Almiron got away from him and he delivered a cross that Calum Wilson had his back turned to the net and his front was facing directly to John Joe Shelby and John Joe was approaching the outside of the box and Callum put it off to him and John Joe did what you want him to do so many times that he always hits over the bar. And this one had a little bounce to it. It was a great, great strike, like beautiful, yeah. beautiful strike by John Joe and you know, 20, 20 yards. Like that's a that's a that's a hit right there. Like let's go. Banger. 
Yeah. So, so immediately like I'm hype. Uh, it's, it's looking like the momentum's going to go in our favor and we're up one, nothing within two minutes. What's your, what's your thought on like that start? And, and like, so like taking the two Oh win to Everton and then immediately coming in with this, it's like, okay, we're, we back baby. Let's go. That's what I was I mean, thinking in this moment. Maybe yeah, an overreaction. That's fine, but it's true. I was in an interview when this happened, so I kind of like watched it on replay, knowing what was going to happen. But like, oh, like I mean, I I once I saw the notification, like when I first opened my phone after the interview, I saw that notification first, and I was like, oh, are we like up like three goals already? Like, do I need to rush to get home? Like, what's the issue? It, that was not the case. We were losing, um, but. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's encouraging to see, uh, and it did sort of like, it started off uh, like a, like Newcastle were fairly in control after this. I mean, so, I mean, it was, it was, it was a sign of things to come, but the issue is converting the, the chances is the, uh, is the big thing. That's what you got to do when you create chances, you've got to convert them for it to matter. Yeah, well, we can talk about the entire first half in general. So you missed like massive chances from Jeff Hendrick and Callum Wilson. Uh, Miguel Almiron grazed the crossbar on a free kick. <clears throat> Miguel Almiron f- taking free kicks, by the way. Yeah, uh, shout out to the Dirty South Soccer people who keep like tweeting. All their writers are like, anytime. It's, well, uh, it was it was pretty bad against Everton. We're like, it was Everton or maybe the match before that. We're like every single Newcastle player that stepped up to take a free kick just was all, I think it was the match before Everton where like, they just, all of them were just terrible. Uh, And they're like, at a certain point, you just got to try Miguel Maroon taking the free kick. And so that was encouraging and nice to see and shut them up. So that was good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it was encouraging, still no result. Like, yeah, I I get, I get hitting the crossbar. At least it's hitting a target, but um, it doesn't. Does, I don't think that counts as being on target, though. Well, I mean, hitting a target. Oh yeah, yeah, hitting a target. A part of but, or in the and, and the thing is, like with the crossbar on free kicks, like that's always going to be forgiving because that means that if you you're inches away from it being literally unsavable. So yeah. it's like that. Yeah. That's obviously just frustrating. But again, there's just other chances that happened in the first half that like you have to be putting those away. Um, if you yeah. not even if you want to stay up, but just like if you want to win matches in general, like that yeah, match could have been killed had, off completely in the first half. We also had two missed chances by Ryan Fraser, like clear chances that Crystal Palace's keeper was able to just knock out. One was a one-on-one that that yeah, it was a Giata. Guiata. Guiata. Uh, he I don't know, whatever his name is. Guiata 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 Guiata. To say it really fast. Uh yeah, it's like I mean you gotta keep that low and on like uh, I don't know, do better, Ryan Fraser. You have one on one, like don't lose that battle. Don't this um, is the this that was the second time Ryan Fraser's been disappointing on a one on one. There was earlier in his debut, he had a one on one. Beautiful through ball. I don't even remember. It might have been Sean Longstaff, if I remember correctly. Beautiful through ball, one-on-one with the keeper. And, like, coming at the keeper from an angle where it's like you've got so much of the goal to play with, like, and yeah. just hits it literally straight at the keeper. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he basically had two clear-cut chances that could have been goals. I mean, this is just all the first half. I mean, we were, we were exploiting them. Now, some of these chances I mentioned were after what we're about to talk about right now. And that's, yes. and that's Cal, uh, Callum, uh, Crystal Palace's two goals. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, Jairo Vidrald. Yes. Um, he, what a goal. Um, yeah. It's from, for, pretty much from the same spot that Shelby scored his. Uh, and it's just obviously on the other end of the pitch. Uh, and his his shot was deflected off of Kieran Clark, and that pretty much gave Carlo Darlo no chance. Um, and it was one to one, and then it was what two, three, wait, four minutes later. Four minutes later. Four minutes later, it was Gary K- Cahill, who was completely unmarked, and he headed a free kick that was swung in the box by Eze. Um, and it was two to one. And going back, it was actually a really dumb foul by Jamal Lewis on Jordan Ayew. Say. 
that say like uh, people are saying it's time. Jamal Lewis's uh, fault for both goals. I yeah. don't know about the first one. Like, uh, I, no, I wouldn't. Or, say that. I wouldn't fault him. That I think like that's yeah, deflections. Like shots from distance don't usually go in, and also like shots from distance from midfielders who usually don't score in general. Like also don't usually go in because that's the Newcastle offense normally. So we know that those don't go in. So I don't know if you can fault anyone really there for that. But the second one is like that was a needless foul. Yeah. Together. Yeah, and um. I don't know. It like first that it was even really into the second half of this game, Newcastle dominated it. They like Powell soaked up all of all of our pressure that we were we were attacking, we were going for it, and we just couldn't hit. And then we added Alan St. Maximin, Dwight Gale, Andy Carroll, uh, and it and it failed to work. Um, and we're just like it was like almost like Palace was like we were the good team and Palace was the team that was coached by Rafa Benitez that just knew how to stay disciplined and didn't give up any holes. Uh, it was like that frustrating because you're like, how are we not like getting more opportunities? We're doing so well. Um, but uh, ultimately the second half really didn't have many talking points at all. The only, the only thing I want to mention is uh, Jamal Lewis crossed the ball into the box and Andy Carroll got to. But uh, he yeah. didn't get any power on the ball, and uh, it was an e- ended up being an easy save. Uh, so it's a two to one loss, just like that. Like you could, we couldn't break them down at all in the second half, and it was we had no chance. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, that's something that I mean, if you're kind of getting into just overall match thoughts, that's that's something that Newcastle have struggled with this season uh and honestly under under bruce in general uh it's been like that when newcastle and he talks about wanting to be progressive and talks about uh wanting to uh be on the front foot but whenever newcastle have dominated possession they have not done well uh this season it's it's resulted in i believe uh three losses two draws and a win and then last season, I mean, the only the only match that Newcastle won in which they had m- the more possession was the Southampton match in which they played up a man uh, for like the majority of the match and won one nothing off of Allenton Maxman Wonder Goal, yeah. and that sums up Newcastle's ability to handle possession in a nutshell because you are up a entire man like there's like it's not like there you're you're playing eleven like you're playing against a 11 with like a weak link you're up you literally have a man advantage and you cannot find ways to break like a team down that sits back and defends with you know nine men really defending and one in goal so it's it's just uh it, it's it kind of shows like that lack of of tactical guys from Steve Bruce really pops out in those moments more so than I mean I won't even want to say more so than other moments but like you just notice it even more because a lot of managers immediately have a plan on what they want to do when people are sitting back and like it becomes a a chess match as to like all right well if you're going to do this we're going to hold our shape and as long as we hold our shape there's nothing for you to exploit when you're dominating possession but Newcastle literally have no idea what to do when they're dominating possession which is a worrying sign when you consider um, you know, some of the teams we're coming up against, we're coming up into Brighton and Sheffield and Fulham down the stretch. Wolves as well, who Wolves have started to soak up possession a little bit more this season. It's going to be interesting to see, like, how Newcastle approach those matches and how those teams approach those matches uh, because, like, it's a clear weakness for Newcastle. They've only got two wins in the past two seasons where they've, they've had more possession. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not not great. And one of those was against West Brom and the other one was against a 10-man Southampton. So not 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 good looks for Newcastle. Yeah. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. 21 shots is a lot of shots. Oh, that's that's what I was that's <laughs> what I was going to get to. You know, yeah, like this was not the worst game of the season for Newcastle United. I mean, if you look on Twitter, I mean, people are saying like, they, like if you read, listen to our three words, people are like back to reality. It's like, no, the reality of Newcastle was getting uh, three shots in, in one of them being on target. And then the other team 
you know, giving like getting 14, 15 shots. That's not reality. Like this is this is how Newcastle should be playing. It's just a bit unlucky to to not really convert. Yeah, a couple things I think. So uh, I think a draw would have been fair here. Uh, I think a win for Newcastle would have been fair, but losing this just didn't seem fair. Like it generally, I don't believe we should have lost this game uh, just by looking at how both teams performed. And um, I think uh, like one thing is like, I think we gave up possession far too easily, which is what we usually do. But in this instance, it was different because like we would try to like go at Palace and like penetrate and try to get into the box. And, uh, and like, we'll just lose possession. We have nobody, like we have very few people skilled enough to do that and everybody who's trying it. So I think, I wonder if that was instruction from Steve Bruce just to go at them and it just wasn't working. So we'd lose possession. And there was, I think there was way too many, like I love seeing more shots, but I think there was way too many long attempts and where yeah. we just gave up possession because we're shooting from so far away. Uh, and I think that really hurt us because like we could have easily p- played another pass and we're just giving up and shooting. Like there, there's passing lanes available. I, I even look back at some of the game and I was like, yeah, like plenty of opportunities to maintain possession here and keep building like forward. Um, but this also made me think about another thing. I was harsh on uh, Joe Willick in the emergency pod, but I was thinking like, okay, a game like today, like, would be really useful because one, like he is known to go at people and, and penetrate and be able to win some of those battles and keep possession. So if we have another player like that in the midfield, that could add some like mobility and fluency to our attack in that situation, which I was, I was saying, Hmm, like maybe this could be like, maybe this could be like more of a fit than I'm thinking. I will have to see, but uh, this and, still um, I, issue, I think the biggest issue with Newcastle United this is my last point, and then you can go in. Is is our back line, which that was our strongest point. But I was thinking today with or uh, during this match, with Jamal Lascelles out, and looking at our depth. Let's let's be honest. Florian Lejeune is not coming back. He, he's gone. I think I think it's he's done. Um, that's just my prediction. I have no haven't heard, don't know that for sure. But all we have left is like we have an unfit Jamal Lascelles, a very shaky Federico Fernando, and nobody in our youth system. Fernando. Kel, Kel Watts, people go, oh, Kel Watts. Cool. He's a League One player. He's doing pretty decent in League One. He is not a Premier League player. Like, he, I, there's promise with him, trust me. But he is not – you cannot just take – oh, yeah, let's take somebody from Sunderland and start him. Like, no, like they're not going to do well. It's the same mm-hmm. with Kel Watts. He's a League One player right now. So doesn't mean Cal can't get better, but that is it. That's who we have left. Um, our, our U23s are not doing well, definitely defensively. So really concerned about the back line. If somebody takes a really long injury, that's well, Jamal Assel's injury is going to be a couple weeks. And I think yeah. the, the, the big well, I mean, issue like – if, if we have an ACL or something, it's, it's done. We're, we're going to have to score two or three goals a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think part of it really is I don't think there's an issue with the center backs per se. I think the issue is just organization. And so, like, LaSalle's for all the slack he gets as a defender, as a one-on-one defender forever, what you might – like, people like to harp on LaSalle's. And that's with, honestly, any Newcastle captain in the past. Under the Ashley era, every Newcastle captain, people – it's very polarizing for whatever reason. They love to hate him. Who Who knows? Uh, but the organization that he brings is something that we have brought up pretty much every time Jamal, Jamal Sells misses a match. It's like there's always some – if Newcastle don't win or even if they do win sometimes and it's shaky, it's like that's something that you can always point to is like the organization at the back was not great. Um, and the only player that really provided any sort of consistency and the reason this player has become a mainstay was Federico Fernandez. And like he's shaky – but he's much better at organizing uh, the defense than uh, Karen Clark or Fabian Scher. Uh, and, and, and both Karen Clark and Fabian Scher have become these more progressive sort of ball-carrying center backs, whether you want them to be or not. is That's a whole other discussion. But they have been, and, and defending is, has become sort of like not really their strength. Uh, Karen Clark has had his moments, but 
he's not a person who's able to organize defense. And if you look at that back line, it's a younger back line outside of that, or just maybe it's Fabian Sheer and him are the veterans. And then you've got Lewis and Mankio. So neither one of them are, are, are going to organize the back line as well. So that's been like that organizational part of just Jamal Azell's game is something that is always brought up every single time he's out of the lineup. And of course, every time he's in the lineup, people are quick to criticize him. So it is something that I also noticed as well. Um, I guess the only other thing I would add is, you know, I think I'd be curious to see, you know, with an additional mind in, in the room with Graham Jones. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, if there's a whole controversy with Graham Jones being on the touchline or off the touchline, I mean, whatever, like Newcastle played. He was in the stands. He was in the stands. And then like, apparently he came down for like, he started down and then he went up into the stands and he came back down. It doesn't matter, but that's not important. I think what's important is you have a player, uh, not player, a coach, in Graham Jones, who is used to teams sitting back. I mean, people sit back against Belgium all the time because they're scared and Belgium plays this absurd lineup with a lot of attacking players. And they also play a lot of talent that sit back against them because the nature of European qualifying just requires you to play, you know, you're not like your, your Bosnia's of the world. And I'll be interested to see like, how do they address that? Because Steve Bruce has really never kind of been in that position in any team. He's, he's kind of managed where they're constantly dominating possession and I think, like you said, there were some things that they could have done instead of taking long shots uh, that would have yielded more chances. And it's kind of how teams like Man City and Liverpool are so dangerous when teams sit back against them because they will pass the ball to death around your box, forcing one of your center backs or, or, or full backs to come and step up. And then once they step up, they exploit that space that the center back leaves behind. And Newcastle didn't have anyone doing that. It was like, oh, well, they're sitting there camping out in front of the box. Like, we're just going to shoot. And it's like, no, pass the ball, force them to kind of keep taking those steps outside the box. One of them is going to make a mistake at some point. And that's where you you make your move. You either beat them off the dribble or you you play someone in behind. And so I, I'd love to see how Newcastle respond after that. But, I mean, other than that, I, I can't really complain too much about the match. Um, I mean, in terms of just – We'll go into stats later, but I mean, Newcastle pretty much dominate every facet of this. Eze is quite the player. I mean, it was crazy that Newcastle were even linked to him at a certain point. So he is, he is fun to watch. He's been really fun to watch this season. And that's encouraging if you're a Palace fan, but like he is just, he's a player. Yeah. Let's get to quotes first. Quote, see Bruce. I was pleased with the performance. We had an awkward 15 minutes where we've conceded two goals from a mistake and set piece. But apart from that, I couldn't be more pleased with how we went about our work. I just have like a absolute fundamental issue with that quote. Like you should not be pleased that you did well and lost like in no circumstance. It should eat you. Like you should be devastated. Like that's, that's the reaction. The fact that he's happy about it. Like that just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, he said, we had the chances, but we just dropped that little bit deep again, and it cost us. I think we've had 20 attempts on goal and two, three, four, five in the first half when we should have been more clinical. Our performance levels have been much better, certainly, over the last few weeks. We've tried to implement change in the last month or so, and what you're looking for is a performance to go with it. It's like, I mean, I'm fine with the end of that, but that first, like, please with that, no. Like, you should, you should get, be sick to your stomach that that's what happens. That's my thought. Any comment? Yeah. I mean, I I honestly think at this point, it would be nice to just like bring in a bunch of Philly fans to like, just like (laughs) not to let anyone else at any of the Newcastle matches, but just like, just get like 50 or so Philly fans. Just, just put them in at St. James and just see like how they respond to just the stuff Steve Bruce is saying or like the product in the field. And I'm sure that Steve Bruce's tone uh, will certainly change. Did I just Philly that? Is that why you, you thought? Well, like it's a, it's definitely a very Philly fan to, to just be like, you should not be satisfied with losing because yeah. like we're never satisfied with losing. <laughs> like this is, this is a Philly fan. That, like for people who don't know, Greg is obviously a, he's a Philly sports fan. And um, I'll never forget this. The Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. And uh, the, the next season they had the opening match. And I believe they played the Falcons, if I remember correctly. Uh, and they were losing. They, they might have been losing at halftime or something like that. And they were losing by like a touchdown or something. But there was a chorus of boos 
on the night that these players were presented with their Super Bowl rings that they had won literally like six months before, just <laughs> booze from around the stadium because they were like, we shouldn't be losing. Uh, it was so, yeah, I mean, Philly fans are something else, but I mean, it comes from a place of love. And most of the time, it's honestly what every other fan base wish they could do. <laughs> like, let's be real. Like Falcons fans are like that, but just on Twitter and never in real life. <laughs> uh, going to stats, John Joe. His 16th goal for Newcastle United in all competitions. It's his ninth in the Premier League. So that puts him level with Faustino Asperia, Jermaine Jenis, Peter Lovenkranz, and Charles Nzogbia. So that's where Callum was just at. Now John Joe is now at that point. Um, that was only the fifth goal out of 22 that Newcastle scored in the first half of any Premier League game this season. I was going to say that I actually, like, but, tuning in during the second half, I actually felt like this was going to be the moment where Newcastle score because I'm like, even when it got to, like, the 85th minute, I was like, oh, the goal's coming. Like, you look at all of our goals, they, like, cap it in, like, the 80th minute or later. <laughs> so yeah. <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. We scored in the second minute and still wasn't our fastest goal of the season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, McGomeron scored in 20 seconds against West Brom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John Joe's was next um and then we scored we had the own goal against man united in 101 minutes we had oh no no john joe's was the third fastest because alan st maximin scored against burnley in 14 uh oh yeah oh, no, no, no 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 that yeah 14 minutes 14 minutes 15 minutes something yeah so that was definitely the second the second most anyway um we failed to record back-to-back clean sheets and uh, it's now one shutout in our last 15 Premier League home matches, um, which is our last shutout. Do you remember what team it was? Oh, uh, Southampton? Go higher up the table. Oh, I'm guessing like 0-0 counts, right? Yeah. Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool. Yeah, I would say it's I was like it's <laughs> either last, Tottenham or Liverpool. That's our last home shutout against Liverpool. Um we lost three straight home matches for the first time this season. Um and we have now been beaten in in six games at St. James's um which is one more than all of last year. And Isaac Hayden made his 150th appearance for Newcastle United, 118 of those were starts. Uh, he debuted at Fulham in the championship in August of 2016. So congrats to Isaac. That's an awesome accomplishment. 150, 150 appearances for Newcastle United. Going to XG now, we have uh, a rare occurrence where Newcastle led in XG but did not win. We had one point. 9-1 expected goals to Crystal Palace's 0.81. Elijah, any guess on who led Newcastle on expected goals? Oh, I mean, John was actually a tough shot. One. Yeah, John was a shot from distance. So I'm actually going to go Ryan Fraser here. Ryan Fraser was second. Very, very close to first. First, but there's a big, big, big miss by someone. Was it Andy Carroll's, like, header that was – like three yards in front of goalie, hit straight the keeper. Uh, Andy Carroll's was is 0.07 expected goals. Ryan Fraser 0.42, and number one with 0.48 is Fabian Share. Interesting. Shared four shots. Led the he also he, didn't he? He have a he had a set piece that was yeah, yeah that, that'll do it. Uh, that'll do it. The set piece where you're in the middle of the box and it's like, yeah, that'll, that'll do the, uh, the old expected goals. That'll go up. Uh, expected assists with 0.88, which is the highest of any Newcastle player of the season. He led this player had seven passes that were, that was led to a shot. So over 20 shots, seven of them, came from this player that were passed to from this player. Callum Wilson. No, he is go to the wings and he is, 
he, you already named him as you thought was the highest. In Brian X- Fraser. Well, yeah. I figured because his, his, like his match ratings are insanely good anywhere you go. Like it's, so uh, yeah. it's, I thought it was either, either one of those three, because they were like, I want to say they might be seven or hires when we do the seven or higher thing. Yeah. 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 Could be. Um, yeah. He, uh, he, seven, seven of his passes were followed up by shots, which is really good. Uh, so chances, Newcastle had 65% of the chances of the game. Um, obviously we lost though. And we had 21 shots to their six, only five on target to their three um, passes completed within 20 yards of goal. We had nine, they had six PPDA. They had 21. Look at us. That's good for Newcastle. We had 9.48. That's probably the best we've done. This yeah. year. We're close to it. Um, and we were expected to get 2.18 points to 0.6. So expected goal says Newcastle should have won this match. Um, and we got zero points out of it. Uh, last update is 538. Um, they New, Newcastle uh, dropped on a point for they had, did have us at 38 points to finish the season. Now they have us at 37, but still six points clear of relegation. 27% chance of getting relegated since 538. Uh, less than 1% chance to win the Premier League or go to the Champions League. And a less than 1% chance of finishing in the top 10. Uh, going to our global club soccer rankings, where, where does good old Newcastle fall? Um, it is. I would say I don't know. I mean, I don't even remember where they fell last time. We we went up because we're. Yeah, so I know we went up. I'm sure we up. went back down. Uh, we are at. Oh, we're we're pretty much exactly where we were. Um, oh, it, it hasn't. I guess they updated once a week. Nothing's changed. Okay, so I'll take that into account for next time. Uh, well, next time it will change because it would have been the full match week. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, Elijah, who is your man of the match? Oh, I mean, uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably easy to go with. I, I it's it's tough because I don't want to give it to Ryan Fraser because, like, he missed like chances. Mm-hmm. But he also was – he was also good, looking really good. And then at a certain point was asked to play, like, third center back. Uh, that's something we just kind of didn't discuss. Like, just – I don't oh, even yeah. know what the hell Newcastle ran when they decided to sub on. They had literally had two true defenders on the pitch. I don't even think it was true – I don't even think it was two defenders because I think – no, I think Lewis was still on. But I'm pretty sure they subbed off Mankio and, like, Kieran Clark. And it was, like, Cher, like, Almiron and, like, Oh, I think it was Cher, uh, Fraser, and like Lewis in the back line, which is just wow. And also insane that Steve Bruce subbed on like forty attackers, and Joel Linton like didn't even get up to jog. Like it was not not great for him. Uh, they might they might have cut their losses there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, man in the match. Oh uh, yeah, we'll stick it to Fraser. I mean, uh, he was fine. I think Shelby also was 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 good considering that we give him a ton of slack and he scored. So that, that helps, but other than that, I mean, he had a decent match rating as well, according to who scored. And yeah. So probably either one of those two. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't really, I never, I still struggle with who I would pick for man of the match. And it's funny. Cause I was going to say, there's probably two, there's probably three players that it's between and it's between Hayden Almiron and Fraser I would not give it to Fraser because of those two missed chances, even though like he did a lot of really good things, but so going to Almiron and Hayden, it's kind of a toss up and I'd probably go Almiron just because Almiron's more of attacking player. So he was involved much more in the attack and that's the exciting part. So I guess I'll just do that. But um, going to who scored uh, the players at seven or, or above was Hayden Almiron, John Joe, he got the goal. Uh, and Ryan Fraser, um, the worst player for Newcastle was Carl Darlow with a 5.72. He only had to make three saves and he made one of them. Okay. That, that um, seems a bit unfair considering one was a deflection. Like that seems. Yeah. Harsh. So we let that one in and then, uh, 
couldn't even say the other two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. I can be unfair from time to time. I, your point is taken. You're right. Okay. I mean, like, I feel like a six is, is I think 5.4 is rough, but six means like you are not impressive. And I think that's the case. And if you're going to go worst player, like he's in that conversation, maybe Jamal Lewis. Uh, yeah. Maybe I would, I don't know. I don't think Karen Clark deserves anything for a deflection, but maybe if it's like his role is to step in for Jamal Sells and you're comparing him to that and sure. But like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. You, I don't know. Someone needs to organize something in the back. And if they don't, it'll be interesting to see what happens against Southampton. But again, I'm curious because Southampton, I don't know. I don't know about that match. Um, well, let's do it. Talk let's let's talk bit. about it. We're going to take a break. And then right after this, we're going to talk about our upcoming match against South 9 and 10. Okay, we'll be right back. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at toonarmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Newcastle 9, Southampton 0. That's my prediction. Let's get into this one. Um, it's it's going to be v interesting. Uh, we have Federico Fernandez will be out. Jamal Lascelles will be out. Paul Dummett just is always out. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that we're expecting him to ever play uh, again. Um, so I think uh, a couple of things to know on the Newcastle side that I definitely want your opinion before I talk about what's going on with Southampton. Or no, after I talk about. Wait, I, I do want to make one thing. Like, yeah. I just thought this is interesting. Uh, we always do the who scored like seven or higher. Well, we started doing that now. Uh, I just was curious to see, like, what was that? What did that look like for the main United Southampton match? No Southampton player got above a 6.2, I think, um, <laughs> which not surprising. Uh, I think James Ward-Prowse was the one with the 6.2. Um, and, of course, Maine United had – Bruno Fernandez, which I I have don't think I've ever seen this before because I don't know how many how many goals did Bruno Fernandez score? Like I have no idea. I don't think he scored uh, three goals, but yeah, he had a goal. He had a goal and two assists. He got a ten. Yeah, if you're if you directly attribute to three goals, it's automatic ten. Okay, okay, I didn't know because I just thought it was like if you get if you score three goals. But anyway, uh, they didn't have a single player besides one person. Beck, who came on as a sub and picked up a yellow. He, if he didn't pick up the yellow, he would have had a seven or higher. Every other player had a seven or higher, <laughs> which is insane. But I mean, like, obviously, when you win nine nothing, like that yeah. is to be expected. But I'm just like, it's still just ridiculous looking at it. Like Martial with an eight point five off the bench. That's <laughs> stupid. That's absurd. <laughs> but you scored two goals, and like, that's obviously what happens. Yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, back to sort of Newcastle injuries, what, what did you want my opinion on? Uh, I'm going to talk about Southampton first, but just on something to think about that Elijah will talk about is Joe Willick. And then uh, are, are we going to see Alan St. Maximin start? Uh, on Southampton's side, Vestergaard's out. They had a lot of injuries. Allison's out. Obafemi's out. Romeo's out. Kyle Walker-Peters is out. William Smallbone's out. Nathan Tell is out. Diallo's out. Uh, ben Narek, red card. They they tried to uh, appeal it. It got rejected. He's out. Uh, uh, Jankowitz is out. And Theo Walcott probably isn't going to be playing. <laughs> yeah, and if he does play, it's a stretch. He's got a yeah. slight muscle injury. Even if he does play, uh, they're missing, like, their their defense is, is, is been ravaged. Like, it's bad for Newcastle, but, like, their defense is is awful. Diallo picked up a, a, a slight muscle injury in their last match as well. So it's like out of the people they started against Manchester United, I think like half of that back line itself, which was not already doing well to start off with, is not going to be playing, yeah. which is insane to think about. <laughs> what uh, One thing to mention um, is so they signed Takumi Minamino. Yeah. Uh, on the deadline. bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Deadline day, but uh, Danny Ings and Shay Adams are both like fine. So, unless 
like Southampton doesn't do their traditional uh, four, two, 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 or combination of, uh, they would have to change that to get him in. And if they do that, like, I don't know who's going to be in their back line. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember. But yeah, I'll, I'll open up the floor to you. That was just my thoughts, but Elijah. No, I'm, no, I, I, I think that's, it's obviously like definitely worth noting. I'm curious to see like what happens because I, I want to double check this right now uh, because I, maybe there's a, there's a slight chance that Minamino can play as like a, a left mid or something like that. I know he's like kind of graded as a striker and central forward or kind of player, but uh, like similar sort of, cause he's coming from a similar system, like similar role that Timo Werner plays in at played at RB Leipzig. He played at Salzburg where it's like a sort of more versatile forward that can play across the line. And so, yeah, I'm look, I looked it up on who scored. He can play as a right winger, a left winger, or a secondary striker in addition to being a striker or center forward. So I could see him coming in because obviously he's a great attacking talent, but coming in for probably, I mean, you, I don't know. You could kind of, I wouldn't say pick your, like pick, pick whoever you want to sum out for, but like, it's not like Southampton have any insanely good attacking players out of the two guys mentioned. And of course, uh, Jesus, James Ward-Prowse, and he's not coming in for James Ward-Prowse, obviously. So uh, that's just something to consider. I think that he could start, uh, but again, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think for Newcastle, Willock, I think you probably start him, uh, and Greg alludes to this in our preview of Palace, is like, you really, this is your opportunity to see what he's made of, um, especially since the next couple matches are against Man United and some other teams that I wouldn't say our expected losses, but are going to be tougher and not really a good way to gauge talent. As we've seen in years past, uh, Steve Bruce played in the Bill Bentaleb in some like key matches, like started him in some key matches down the stretch. And it was like, dude, I, I don't know if this is the time to figure out if Nabil Bentaleb is, is back to Premier League quality. Um, I, I don't know. I said Alex and Maxwell would start this last match. Uh, it's been what, four matches now where he's come on as a, a sub yeah. So you have to imagine that he's he's got to be fully fit, and yeah. um, this is a this is a must win uh, for a number of reasons. Like again, it's like the Palace thing, but on steroids. Palace were already not in a decent run of form, uh, but Southampton are three straight they've lost, and they seem to pick up a new injury every single match. So this is a team where it's like you've got the wounded animal, and you got to finish them off because like it's just. I don't, it's, I don't know it. This is like the literally, this is stuff that Newcastle were facing themselves being on the opposite end where it's like, they've come off massive losses. They've got injuries and, and teams come in and they can at a minimum squeak out a one, nothing win or a one, one draw or something like that. So you have to pick up a result from this. So I do think you stick with what we've been doing the four, four, two diamond, four, three, three, whatever you want to call it. I mean, four, three, three, false nine. I don't care what you call it, but whatever it is, it's working. Um, and honestly, we've got to be prepared for Southampton to sit back. If if Husenholt, it, well, I can't even say his name. If Ralph, our good old boy Ralphie, oh, Ralph. is as good of good of a manager as uh, we think he is, and as people, uh, you know, give him the like praise of being such a good manager, I'm sure he looked at the film. Which, hey, by the way, John Joe Shelby leaked today to the press that Newcastle were reviewing the film of the Crystal Palace match. And I don't know why the hell that needed to be an article from multiple sources. But, I mean, congratulations to Newcastle for looking at film, which is something that I want people to understand. They do that at a high school level in yeah, the United say. States. Like, that's not – that's you should be looking at film of every match, win or loss, and be able to take away stuff. But that's not important. Uh, but, yeah, if they're, if if Southampton have done their research uh, and or, or subscribed to the Athletic – they understand Newcastle do not do well um, sitting back and absorbing pressure. They also don't do well against the press. So either way, Southampton wants to attack this. There's an opportunity for them to pick up a result. But again, that back line is going to be shaky. And Callum Wilson, Allison Maxman, Miguel Amron, Ryan Fraser, that's 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 tough to, to put on a back line. Uh, mostly youth players. Uh, someone even brought up the fact that, like, mo- like I think over half of – Southampton's bench that they named in the Man United match was like under 21, which is 
insane. Yeah. There's a lot of guys with squad numbers like 62 and 47 and 52 and 65. And you got to be licking your chops if you're Newcastle. When you see a lad who might start with the, the kit number 62, that's uh, you got you got to be ready to uh, expose him. Expose yeah, so, him. So speaking of exposing him, uh, what do we have to do to win? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, do the same, I, right? I mean, you really do have to do the same, and honestly, yeah. hope that that do like the same you convert thing we did the last two matches. Yeah, I think the the big thing that you you have to be cognizant of is just those shots from distance. Um, it's like we we can't get too reliant on those, especially. Uh, you know, after it's been frustrating. Um, I, we've seen teams do this against us where like Man City will get frustrated uh, within the first 30 minutes of Newcastle sitting back and they'll just resort to log shots. And it's like, you know, they're doing that and they've got you know, legitimately five players that they start that will score from distance. We, we don't have that luxury. Um, we've got Alan St. Maxman. We've got Maggie on a good day. We've got John Joe on a good day. Mm-hmm. Maybe Callum. I haven't seen much of Ryan Fraser. I can't confidently say Ryan Fraser's a long shot threat, but we don't. We don't have Kevin De Bruyne. We don't have Riyad Mahrez. We don't have guys. We don't have uh, Raheem Sterling where they can actually hurt us from distance. Uh, so we got to get out of that mindset uh, into this match and really like just trust the process. Uh, to to shout out Philly and keep maintaining possession. Uh, make some forward passes. Just try to pull guys out of position. Uh, because the thing is with this this back line, someone is going to make a mistake, and you have to be able to capitalize that uh, on that. But if you're just playing in front of them and taking shots from distance, you never force them in, into any position where they're going to make a mistake. So we've got to be able to maintain possession in the final third, really pull guys out of position, and uh, that's probably going to be the easiest way to create chances. And the more chances we create, the, the higher likelihood we have to score. Uh, they created 16 chances the last match and scored one goal. You can't get that unlucky two times in a row. So, you know, hopefully it can repeat it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you got you got to do this. You just got to keep doing this. Um, that that's that's the best that I can say. Keep keep on keeping on. Um, I, I wanted to say before we get into our predictions is uh, one. I guess my question to you is if Newcastle United lose this match to Southampton after uh, they just got pummeled nine, nothing. And with the amount of injuries and suspensions that they have on a scale of one to John Carver, how safe is Steve Bruce's job? If we, assuming we lose on a scale from Sir Bobby Robson to John Carver, how, how safe is Steve Bruce. I I think that the Graham Jones move sort of ensures that at a minimum you have a temporary caretaker that knows his way around a football team, but someone who's, you know, like experienced. Mm-hmm. So that does put a little bit more pressure on Steve Bruce. Um, but then again, the other issue is that if results go our way, uh, which could happen, um, like the like right now, I mean Burnley obviously beat Liverpool as we the day we recorded this mat this uh this pod, uh but like the still the gap between Newcastle and Burnley and the rest and the bottom three is still quite large and neither one of the bottom three have really looked anywhere good. Like I mean people are talking about like I don't even know why Newcastle fans were focused on the Brighton match out of all things. Like I mean. Uh, Newcastle need to be focused on the teams below them and they're not looking like they're improving. And as many people have pointed out today, the magic number is no longer really 40, 40 is great to get to 38 is probably like a, you're not getting relegated. If we've seen five they've said 38 is a number where Newcastle's probably going to end up at, but the last three or four seasons, it's been 35. So we're at 22 points. And you've got a lot of matches to pick up, you know, at a minimum 15 or so points. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you lose, if it's bad and Newcastle lose by more than two goals or if they lose, if they lose two, nothing, 
I could see Steve Bruce getting fired. But mm-hmm. if it's like a one nothing loss and it's like a smash and grab, somewhere the kind of Crystal Palace felt like a smash and grab, maybe there's a little bit more faith in them. And it would have to be like results kind of go against us as well. Um, it would be a good time to let someone else take over. But the other issue is just like who wants to step into the situation? Um, and right now your option is Graham Jones, and it's good to have that. But like outside of Graham Jones, if Graham Jones turns out to be a total fraud, then again – who wants this job? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get to predictions then. I'll, I'll start. And then I'd love to hear your opinion after. And then we'll go to 538 as I'm going. Newcastle will continue to still be on the front foot. I'm still confident that they will be able to pressure. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Alan St. Maxman will dominate this match along with Miguel Amaran. And I think Joe Willock is going to provide a spark and people are going to get really excited about him from this match. So I say uh, two goals from Alan St. Maximin and we win two to one. I, I was thinking along the similar lines. Uh, I think Alan St. Maximin's probably going to score in this match. Um, I think it's going to be three, one. I don't think it'll be two goals from Alan St. Maximin, maybe a goal and assist. Uh I think Willock definitely provides something different and something uh, that Newcastle will need, um, especially over maybe Jeff Hendrick, I think is probably who will come in for. I don't think, I mean, Steve Bruce, he obviously, he already does not want to ever sit Shelby, but he's not going to sit Shelby after Shelby scores and after Shelby's, I mean, he's serving as captain right now. So um, yeah, he's kind of, I mentioned this to someone, like I think he's undroppable at the moment just and also in this formation, but also just the fact that he's acting as captain, he's probably not droppable. Um, so I think Willett comes in and definitely provides that spark. And, you know, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say Allison Maxman goal, uh, Miguel Amaron goal. Callum Wilson also gets on the score sheet. Um, I think what has been, what made Callum Wilson so dangerous when we first saw him was his ability to really make defenders uncomfortable and I think that when you have younger defenders you're going up against, that's just going to be so crucial. Like he, any defender that's not like kind of world-class and Newcastle are a little bit, are, are looking to be threatening and Cal Molson can have his way. I mean, he was making Yerry Mina look uncomfortable. Yerry Mina is a good defender. Like he was really giving it to Everton defenders. And I just don't see any defender on Southampton, that's better than an Everton defender. At this point, even better than any of Crystal Palace's defenders. And they had themselves a bit of a handful as well with Newcastle. So, like you said, you got to take advantage of these situations. But, of course, I do see Newcastle getting a goal, especially if they start Carl Darlow, um, just because I think just he's unlucky at the moment. So he's probably going to give it a, give up a goal. Yeah. Uh, we have 538. This is the um, – this it's close. We're still giving it close. Uh, we have a 38% chance to win. Southampton has a 34% chance to win and it's a 28% chance to draw. This is the last time uh, 538 has us winning until uh, we play West Brom on March 6th. So uh, we got a, and it's pretty lopsided except for the Wolves match. Uh, it's Wolves match is still kind of close, but still pretty favorable to wolves so uh got to take advantage of, of these opportunities so let's hope 538 is right and we do come out on top and get three points elijah any last words before we close this lovely episode of chn radio oh i don't know shout out freddie woodman he seems to be killing it so shout out to yeah. Yeah, shout out to Florian Lejeune and Kellen Watts. Everybody else is not doing good. Uh, yeah, and that does include Elias Sorensen is not, not good. He's not starting anymore. So um, let's let's conclude this. Uh, that, that is the end of episode 164 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That is the best site manager and the best Stamkos in the land, Elijah Newsom. Uh, let's get three points this weekend, and we'll see you soon. Hoi the lads. Love you guys.
Looking at the old time bridge, I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Geordie and to live in Geordie land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Henny, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names. Like Linda Swan in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seen hitting her way. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. Brave the dog is in James's park at the Gallagher's end in the rear.